dust Everybody knows one another Why even as you pass them up It's working that grind Putting in the overtime Spend a buck to save a dime Your man's word and a guy we trust Yeah, that's the town's like All right. Welcome back to the Rage Rowdy Podcast. We're here with our guest today. You have Nick, me, and you have Clark Manson. Clark, thanks for coming on the show with us. Anytime. Glad to be here. Yeah. So Clark is a country singer from Covington, Ohio, originally, right? Yep. So Covington. Tell us a little bit about Covington and growing up there. It's a huge city. No, um, it's really small. I graduated 50 people. So, um, I mean, your typical small town where you know everybody. And, um, you know, Friday night football and drinking. That's about it. <laughs> that sounds a lot like Pennsylvania where I grew up. Yes. <laughs> Maybe not quite as small um, in terms of cities, but that's a, a lot of the same people. And um, I think coming from PA and coming from Ohio and having as many friends as I have from, from both, kind of see a lot of similarities in the people. Yeah, I think you really do too. We, I mean, I played in Pennsylvania a little bit, not a whole lot. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's almost like you, you don't really know you're in a different state for the most part. So you get in the, the really, like, hilly, mountainous area that we've uh, been through a couple times. But then it looks different. Let's talk about in terms of you and, you know, you starting to play guitar. So, or, you know, how did you get started in music if it wasn't necessarily with guitar? Um, I mean... For some reason, I kind of always remember a guitar being around. My, uh, I got an older brother and older sister, and I think that you know, well, my brother, hell, uh, he's about six years older than me, I think. So, um, I just remember like always wanting to play it and never knowing how. And then yeah. I turned out to be the only one that got into it. So I think it was like an old guitar, maybe he had that probably only had two strings left on it by that time, <laughs> and definitely wasn't in tune, but. Um, you know, I, I was about eight years old and convinced my parents to get me one. And then I don't think I really took it seriously till I was about 10 and started to kind of teach myself how to play. And I, I took like a few lessons and mm-hmm. there was a guy that was my grandma's neighbor and he played bass. So I would go over there and we would just kind of jam when I was 12 years old and he knew some stuff on guitar too and would teach me what he knew. And it kind of started there and I would definitely didn't even think about singing at that point other than when I was younger, like five years old, I used to karaoke my ass off. But, uh, <laughs> but I think you hit that point where you, you got friends and they know what's going on. You get so embarrassed to even sing or play in front of people. But um, yeah, for the longest time, he was kind of the only guy that I even played for, not even my parents. So we were just playing for him and just learning a little bit. Yeah, here and there. I, I think it was just because like we were jamming. He would mm-hmm. be on the bass, and it would be like the three chord Guns N' Roses song that I learned. Yeah, you know that that week, right? And it was terrible, but it was a lot of fun. I think that's why I like took to it was because it was fun, and you know it didn't seem like it was something I had to do, and it was really rewarding learning a song than going and being able to play it with somebody else rather than just to yourself. Yeah, and what kind of music did you listen to when you were growing up? Like, what influenced you in terms of, you know, just personal life and then 
Yeah, so when I was younger, I mean, we start out on country music and country concert, you know, which you've been to. Uh, yeah. It's in Fort Lauderdale, Ohio, which is 15 minutes from where I live and where I grew up. So our parents always took us there from when I was a little kid. I think I was a toddler running around country concert. Oh, wow. It, awesome. wasn't, it wasn't nothing like it is now. Uh, it was a little smaller, and everyone had squirt guns and, and water balloons. And I think they changed that rule because so many girls were, you know, like taking their tops off and stuff. It got pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's, it's still pretty wild, I guess you'd say. <laughs> I haven't seen – well, I, I haven't been out with the crowd as near as much as I used to. So I, I guess I need to – maybe this year it's what I need to do is just take off and go hang out all week. There it is. See if the, see if the wife will let you come hang out with us. I highly <laughs> doubt that would happen. But <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> But it's worth a shot. <laughs> Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, so life, things you got going on just outside of music and life right now. So uh, yeah. married, yeah. Uh, met your wife, Kelsey. Uh, tell us about how you guys met and where you met. And- I've known Kelsey ever since I was can remember. Um, we kind of grew up like our families were friends. and um, So I always knew who she was and she always knew I was. But we never dated until after college, mainly because she wouldn't date me. <laughs> but, <laughs> you got a little bit of growing up to do. Uh, quite a bit. Um, yeah. And you ask her that today, and she'd be like, I would have never thought that I would ever date you. But uh, <laughs> thank God she changed her mind. But um, yeah, so we kind of met after college when the time was right, and I got a, quite a bit of crazy out of me, and we kind of hit it off, and it didn't take long to realize, like, you know, this was going to be the girl. This is going to be the one. And after that, we uh, we got married. And then now I have a baby on the way. Man, congratulations. Think, well, this weekend, this coming weekend is my anniversary. Oh, that's awesome. Congrats. I'll be gone. So, yeah. Where are you guys going? Somewhere special? Uh, No, she actually will be uh, – she's a nurse in, at a hospital in Dayton, and she's working, and so am I. I'll be – I'll be over in Leesburg, Indiana at a place called Tippy Creek Winery, and it's a pretty awesome place. It sits on about, I would say, 40 acres of just nothing but grass. And once a year, they set up a, a stage and uh, bring a bunch of vendors in and throw like their own little, they call it CMA party. And uh, so we're going to be the act this year. That's awesome. Yeah, then I work with a with a boat dealership called Pro Wake uh, Water Sports, and it's right there in Leesburg too. So awesome. it's going to be pretty cool. Um, we'll be sitting, staying in town the next day and just getting out on the water and doing some water sports all day. Yeah, I know you're big. That's one of your other passions is is boating and water sports. Yeah. So. What's What's funny is I'm not good at any water sport, <laughs> but I love I love trying and I love being on the water. I like being the driver. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what I do when my friends are, are wakeboarding. I drive. I'm the driver <laughs> until like 11 a.m. <laughs> then, I'm, then I'm drinking. Yeah. <laughs> that's when you get the best stuff done before it gets too rough out there, though. I know. It, I mean, that's kind of how you have to do it, too, especially over there. Um, lake Tippy is a really small lake. It's it's deep. I mean, it it's 100 feet deep in the middle. and But there around the edges and stuff, it's so small. And there's so many boats that get on it, probably especially this weekend. If you don't get out early, you're 
it's not really that enjoyable to to surf or wakeboard. So let's talk about some venues you play at. I mean, talking about that venue, but what are some of the your favorite venues to play around your hometown and then some of the favorite venues that you've gotten to play when you've been out touring? Yeah, I mean, country concert is definitely in the top few of all of them, but um, around here, it's definitely one of the, the funner ones to play. Hobart Arena. Yeah, Hobart Arena is another one too because I've seen so many acts on that stage and in that place that it was kind of like a lifelong dream of mine to play there. And then, you know, getting to play there was just like such a surreal feeling because it it's a hockey arena. I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but um, it's just basically a knockdown size of the big, you know, big college arenas. And it just kind of, you get in there and you have that feel like, oh my gosh, there's all these people crowded in this place and it sounds so cool. Um, which probably doesn't sound near as cool to the fans because it has that just ambience of an arena and, you know, the concrete, you know, echoes like crazy. But, you know, when you're playing it and you got guitars turned up loud, it sounds awesome to us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's great getting to play those, those venues, you know, that you went to, like you said, that go yeah. so it's Now I guess like countrywide, I don't. We played some pretty crazy venues. We play one in Milwaukee. It's called the Rave. If you've never been there, you should probably come with us next time we play because <laughs> it. Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment is across the street, and that sets the tone for the entire entire atmosphere of this place. That's crazy. But it, I don't know how many square feet this place is, but it's got to be close to like fifty thousand. It's huge, and That's it's crazy. it's three stories, and the bottom story is a club that holds about 1200 people and then like the second story holds it's another venue holds about 4000 and then the top ballroom which is ungodly big holds uh i think like 6500 which is like almost the size of some of the arenas that that hold you know that many people that's and, bigger than this. yeah and it's uh I forget how old it is, but it used to be like a gentleman's club back in the day. And um, it's, it's been on all the ghost shows. So me and the guys went out adventuring this during – we first got there, and the owner was like, hey, thanks for coming. And I forget – I think we were opening for like Craig Wayne Boyd in the 1200 room. And uh, he goes, go scope out the whole place. You know, do whatever you want to do. There's no one here. And – um you know, it's got fun. So we're like walking in the basement and he goes, you got to check out this pool. Um, it's empty, but you know, it's pretty creepy. So we go down there in our own way. We're using like our cell phones for flashlights. There's no lights. And the security guard is like 20 feet away and walks through the hallway and scares the hell out of all of us. <laughs> and you, all he does is just walk by. Well, then we get back upstairs and we tell the guy like, man, that security guard scared the shit out of us. And he goes, there's no security guards here. And I'm like, whoa, what? And he swears. We talked to like the sound guys and engineers and like, no, nah, man, there's there's no security guards here. And he's like, supposedly there's a security guard drowned in that pool, you know, 65 years ago and haunts that area. I'm like, oh my, I didn't know. I, to this day, I don't know if it's real or not because he could have been well, messing with us for sure. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. That's, uh, I think that's probably part of the allure of it, you know? <laughs> right, right. You don't know. Yeah, that's crazy. So let's talk um, a little bit about how we originally met initially. Yeah. And it was before, uh, before Rage Rowdy was a thing, uh, I guess, man, probably, 
probably five years ago, maybe something it, like that. You know, now I think about it, I think it was five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it will be five years this July. Yeah. Yeah. This Yeah. So we had a, a group of friends that we've been going to country concert with. We talked about that a little bit on past podcasts. So if people have listened to all of our older podcasts, they'll have heard me talk about country concert yep. and the family that I've kind of developed through that. Um, and that was actually one of the inspirations and one of the kind of community buildings that had led to us doing Rage Rowdy and doing this formally. And uh, I think it was the first one you played uh, when we reached out to you. And we had a, a Twitter account that we were using as a group, like with seven of us guys. And um, we reached out to you, just talking to you when you were playing on the, the side stage and just reached out and then met up inside the venue. Um, you were with a radio DJ. Right. Now, wait, I, I kind of remember this a lot now. Was it under like Rowdy gentle, Rowdy something? Yeah. Yeah. Rowdy yeah. Gentleman of the Year is what we... Uh, yeah, that's what it was called. I remember that now. Yeah. <laughs> so we had reached out to you and it was just uh, basically our, our crew of drunken idiot friends that all love country music and had been going to this festival for a few years at that point and uh, <laughs> reached out to you. And then you guys actually came and met up with us in the... Uh, in the venue, uh, and, uh, and, and shotgun to beer with us. Was that before or after my show? It was after your show. Yeah. I thought it was. Yeah. It was after your show and, uh, it was, man, it was fun. We had a good time. It was like a big thing for us that, you know, one of the artists came and like hung out with us. Yeah. I remember I, uh, we got done and I told Rowdy Ron to see the DJ was. And I'm like, man, let's, uh, Let's go find some people to drink a beer with. Yeah. And I like, I know they, they sent me this uh, location where they are. Let's go find them. And I think, you know, with his connections, we end up jacking a golf cart or something along those lines and making our way out. But you were like our, by the time I got back from that trip, I was, I was gone. I yeah. Was, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah we, it was time to go. Yeah. <laughs> We we were uh, we were veterans of drinking by then, and you were still figuring it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, let's. Uh, that let's, that was a year I had. I think I wore the dumbest outfit I ever could have imagined. I don't know what was going through my head. I look back on it all the time. I had, like white <laughs> pants on and a bandana, and I never even wear a bandana. <laughs> I think that was the year. For, for those that have never been to a big country music festival like Country Concert, and specifically Country Concert, the attire that you see throughout the festival is unlike anything else that you've seen in the existence of humanity. Yeah. It's, it is all sorts and colors, all shapes, all sizes, all people. It is just everyone's accepted. You can wear whatever you want. You can look as ridiculous as you want. You can wear you know anything. and it's just a, It turns into a big party. It's great. Yeah, the, uh, the banana hammock is always a popular, popular outfit too. You yeah. always see at least three or four of those. Yeah, and the guy that like rides the fake horse that's made oh, out of like, yeah. <laughs> yep. So yep. yeah, you see some stuff every year. <laughs> one year we actually wore uh, superhero costumes inside the one day, <laughs> like Iron Man, Wolverine, Batman, just ridiculous stuff. And then uh, it was great. But I remember you playing there and I remember you playing and then I don't think it was the first year. I think it was after that. And then you had uh, John Party come back out with you for a song as well. Yeah, that was the second year um, yeah. that we were there that that happened. 
that was pretty that was pretty cool i i forget what happened i think that i was back behind the saloon stage because that's where catering or no behind the main stage that's where you catering used to be for all the acts um yeah. was back behind the main stage so we went back there to eat and i've known john i you know played at this point probably five or six shows with him and we got drunk a few times but um he uh i was like hey if you get you get bored after because we played after him you know he played the main stage and we played i think a couple hours after him i said come on over to the the saloon stage of playing all right man i might be over there and um <laughs> that was a pretty good john party impression actually but um the next <laughs> thing you know i look over there he is i'm like hey do you want to do a song he's like yeah and luckily my band is our huge john party fans too and they all kind of knew the song we definitely didn't play it right but it's was good enough for but that was awesome yeah i'll probably remember that'll be like i'll remember that forever yeah that, that was, was a, awesome. that was awesome it was awesome for us too because seeing you guys two years back to back like that and just watching how much your show in that year had developed right was really cool for us just to see and be like damn this guy's this guy's good now <laughs> you know before it was like all right he's solid and then you're like wow like this guy is actually going places it's awesome yeah. Hopefully it keeps going in that direction. I mean, it definitely, um, you know, you learn so much and, you know, everything changes uh, year to year. Even your voice changes a lot every year. And, you know, I think you learn to, you know, make the best show that you can with uh, with what you have and definitely gets easier every year. So let's talk about your music. Let's talk about... Yeah. Uh, your first album that came out and then we'll go up to, you know, what you just recently released. So talk about uh, running with the night back in 2013, right? Yeah. Uh, when I started like writing seriously, well, I didn't know if it was seriously. When I first started writing songs that I knew I was going to try to record, yeah. um, I was like 20, just turned probably 20 years old, 21. I was in college and uh, there was an older buddy of mine that we would write like every Wednesday night. I think it was. Pretty much drink beer and uh, get drunk and write songs. Yeah. And this was like the era. I, I don't even think when we started, like Cruise wasn't out yet. No, yeah. Or um, it, was, it was out, but not big. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, so we started writing these songs and Cruise comes out and that was like the era of like drinking beer, late night, moonshine, like party songs. Right. And that was like right up the alley of what we were writing about. And I was, you know, kind of in that stage of my life too, where we were partying and, you know, carrying on. And so I started writing these songs and we record them and it did really well, like surprisingly well. And looking back on it and listening to the songs, I'm like, Oh my God, what was I thinking? Like, what, what is this? What am I, what are you doing? Is there a way I can erase this song? <laughs> we actually um, had a buddy that, just talk, uh, we did a podcast with a few episodes together. It's like, yeah, eventually I took that off the internet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have to do that too. At some point. No, I think you're right. good. Honestly. It, and again, I think part of it is seeing you grow as an artist. Right. You know? I think that's part of what people end up loving about a lot of artists and specifically people that are from their same area or from a similar background. Right. It, just watching that development over time and you becoming the person who, you know, you were meant to be the person that you were when you were 20, you know? Yeah. I always think about that too, of like, 
what would have happened if things would have been really successful then and probably nothing good, honestly. <laughs> so it's probably a blessing that nothing really took off then. But, and plus, like, listening to the lyrics of some of the songs that I wrote then, I'm like, how did I play this for my mom? Like, <laughs> like the, I, I had one song that was called Cab Rock, and, and it was like a playoff ludicrous song. Um, so the lyric was backseat windows up. That's the way we do it in a truck. <laughs> and then, and then another part was, uh, it was like, come on girl, let's break the shocks in cab rocking. <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus, that's vulgar stuff. <laughs> you're like, uh, mom, and now you're like, ah, my, my son. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, like how we kick it. It's like one of our mainstream songs and. I know people like where you're coming from. You listen to it. It's like kind of fun, but uh, like sometimes I'm forced to play it, but I never like playing it ever. <laughs> I mean, the lyric quality is just kind of, I mean, there's some cool parts of it that were clever maybe then. Yeah. But, uh, I'm like, Oh man, shit. I got to play this song now. <laughs> yeah. That's it. You play the song and people want to keep hearing it. over. I know. Over. And it's like, you'll get reports and it's like, this is your most, this before towns like us. It was like the number one popular song that we had. Um, I know. And I'm like, Oh my God, why? (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes that's, you know, you don't have control over the people. And sometimes a simple song is what, you know, invokes people's emotions. Yeah. That's, that's very true. That, that song has the flip cup strip style. Watch some girls getting naked. (laughs) So thank God I didn't have a girl. Yeah, that would yeah. definitely be coming off of the uh, Not the internet. Yeah. Which you know, hopefully one day I do have a girl, then I I'll do it then. Right. Yeah. Right now so, I'm just gonna be like, son. Now this is what this is what flip cup strip style is. Yeah. <laughs> so and then you'll have an older uh, brother to take care of the little girl, and make sure she doesn't get. I know, so. right? <laughs> you got that out of the way. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about I'm on it. Your EP. That was yeah. the the following year, right? Twenty fourteen. Yeah, it was the following year, but what's what's funny is they were only like four or five months apart. Yeah, this is actually back when you used to sell sell songs. People would buy it. iTunes was still like relevant. And yeah. I remember I I did the running with the ninety p, and it did so good. I just took you know a lot part of the money from that and said oh, I'm just going to do a new one right away. Yeah, and we. Yeah, and that's what we did. We went and did it, and that one was extremely successful too, which turned into my publishing deal, management deal, yeah. all all the deals that I got into. <laughs> and when from there, like when did you move to Nashville? Because I know you moved to Nashville for a while. Yeah, um, I mean, I would go to Nashville a lot, but I kind of knew right away I didn't want to move there unless I needed to be there right and then when the publishing deal was because i i mean i had an agent um right after the running with the night album came out i think when it was maybe a couple months later um when we actually started like playing some shows off of this album and um, i got introduced to my agent nate town who's at wme uh by a guy named todd bolton who runs variety attractions and variety attractions books um country concert yeah, they're big. Does all the huge fairs. And I, I think that's how it came about was they they saw like what it was doing in the local area. So they put me on a bunch of fairs and a bunch of shows. 
And then next thing you know, I'm with an agent in Nashville that, and Nate represents Dylan Scott, Scotty McCreary, um, a few other guys. And pretty big names. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so it makes it pretty handy. We, so we end up signing with them to, for booking. And, um, from there, kind of they, you know, started making the introductions to the, the publishing companies. And then I got a manager out of it that, uh, and he used to work in the Dirk Bentley camp. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, let's do it. And then uh, I signed to a new company called, well, it was called Jingle Punks. They're huge in Hollywood. They do like all the sync music for um, pretty much every reality show you've ever seen. Um, then they wanted to get into traditional publishing and they definitely had the money to do it. So they just created a whole new company that was going to compete with all the big players. And I was the first guy that they signed. Wow. Yeah. Which was great for me because my attorney was like, man, we could really milk this cow because they're putting all their chips on you to start this company and they already got the groundwork done. So yeah, uh, it worked out really well for me too. And then like a year later, we finally have this thing rolling and this company sells to Olay, which is a you know huge publishing company. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I went from being you know like one of three writers to um, Olay end up acquiring my contract out of the deal. So then I end up going writing for them. So then I was on a roster of like fifty something writers, which was a huge change. Yeah. So when you were in Nashville, like who were some of the guys that you were writing with down there or anyone that you write with often, anything like that? Yeah. I mean, Josh Thompson, um, who, yeah, which is one of the best songwriters I've ever been in a room with. Yeah. Um, phenomenal dude. I won $50 off Josh. Actually, I can tell this story too later. Um, <laughs> no, which is, it's, it's, uh, it's almost PG. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So me, Josh Thompson, and John Party are playing at a place called um, Hell, I don't even remember what it was called, but it was in Fostoria, Ohio. Okay. And it used to be a strip club. And we're backstage after the show, and we're all drinking beer. And there's still the strip pool that was there from when it was a strip club. <laughs> it basically roped off like one of the rooms, and that was your backstage. Well, we're all drinking beer and carrying on, and Josh. Um, He's great, dude. Talks slow. I mean, if you ever hear him talking, hey, man, and I'll give you 50 bucks. Go lick that strip pole. And at this <laughs> point, I was probably like seven or eight Jaeger bombs deep. <laughs> and uh, I said, all right. And I, I was like, well, how much? He like marked off an area, and I did it. And um, not proud of it, but <laughs> I, still, I still have that 50 bucks in my truck. Yeah, <laughs> you kept it. Uh, yeah, every time I see him, I still have. It. He's like, "Yeah, I haven't spent that money yet." But, <laughs> yeah, so if you ever see him, ask him about that. I'll ask him about that fifty bucks. Yeah, but I saw party like two weeks later. He's like, "Hey, you got like any sore throats or fever blisters coming in from that?" <laughs> I was like, "No, not yet. Nope, still pretty good." Uh, <laughs> That's great. But, uh, I lost track of the the initial question, but. Oh no! I no, think it's what's part of a podcast too. Is that's it? Just just kind of go or spontaneous. Work. Yeah, shit. yeah. So we were just uh, just talking about music and your your. Stuff. Oh, who I was writing with? Yeah, yeah. Who yeah. you were at this point? Yeah, and then I got to write with a guy, uh, Phil O'Donnell. They call him Phil Billy. He's okay. another phenomenal songwriter. He's wrote a couple songs for George Strait. I mean, produced um, Craig uh, 
uh, Redneck Yacht Club dude, Craig um, Morgan. And uh, so I end up writing with him quite a few times on a regular basis. And I think he definitely made me a better, better songwriter and, you know, kind of took me under his wing at first. And it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Cause I'm like, George, I'm a huge George Strait fan. George Strait's my dude. Yeah. And you know, I'm like, man, this guy wrote a George Strait song. Um, so what was crazy is you go into like a lot of these co-writes and you got artists and you got staff writers. And yeah. a lot of times the artists come in and, you know, I think at the time I was wanting to just like write, but everyone wanted to write your song. So they sit down and like went through the same thing. Like, what are you looking for? You know, like, are you looking for this, that, that, that? Yeah. And I'm like, no, hell with this shit. Let's write a George Strait song, you know? <laughs> <laughs> let's get a cut. Yeah. Yeah. yeah let's, let's do that. Let's, I want some mailbox money, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, Phil's great. I mean, just all around great dude. And, you know, there was obviously an age difference between us. You know, Phil's, I, I hate to guess, but I'd say like 55 now. Okay. And at the time, I was 21, 22 years old. But, I mean, you learn a lot off of people like that. And, I mean, me and Chris Lane, actually, we wrote a song. Um, me, Chris Lane. Actually, the names on this were pretty great. Tommy Cecil, uh, Phil O'Donnell, Chris Lane, and uh, Brandon Ray. Okay. Um, we were all wrote this song and I brought this idea into the room and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, this is great. We started working on it. And then Tommy Cecil, like in the middle of it, just started ranting on something else and we completely switched directions and we wrote the songs called tonight's on me. And Chris ended up like, we did like a little work tape to it that day. And as we're, I'm not, I'm going to be honest, as we're writing a song, I'm thinking to myself, this is like the worst song you know, I've, I've heard it a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still trying to do my part to contribute, but I think there were some of us that were like, I think all of us were like thinking, what are we doing right now? But it was cool. And uh, it got to a point where they, you know, you submit your songs after you're done to the publishing companies. They review it. Most of the time say, great work here. Keep them coming. You know, nothing great. And then this time, like all of our publishing companies like, oh, we got to demo the song. And I'm like, are you shitting me? <laughs> this is gonna this is gonna be my first cut as an artist, like this song. Um because it definitely was not gonna be my song. So um and then at some point I think it was like Luke Bryan had it on hold for a while. Wow. Um and then I was like celebrating. Of course, yeah. Um, but nothing ever happened to it. But I'll I'll play it for you when when we get together. You'll be like That's awesome. Interested. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is it's so far out there, I don't think country's there yet. So maybe yeah. I think a, I really think someone will record it someday. That's crazy. That's yeah. awesome. Yep. And how about back here in Ohio? So when you're back in Ohio, some of your go-to guys you write with? I really only write by myself here. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I've ever. I mean, you know, my buddy Jake. Jake will come over, um, and be like, "Man, I need a song. I need a song." So I'll be like, "Well, what do you? You know, what do you want?" And of course, every time nothing ever comes out of it because he. I don't know. I don't know. Let me record the one that you wrote last week. I'm like, no, Jake, that's my song. You're going to do your <laughs> own. But I, I did write him. I did write him a song called my dog and me. I don't know if you ever heard it. I don't think I have yet. Oh, no. well maybe one day you'll be lucky enough because Jake, Jake's notorious 
he'll take his dog everywhere he goes. I mean, he bought a fake service dog thing just so he could take it, you know, in bars. Yeah. (laughs) And every Snapchat from Jake was his Jeep and his dog. So I wrote a song about Jake and his dog. (laughs) That's awesome. That's, uh, I mean, if a man and his dog, that's one of the the strongest relationships out there, right? I know, right? <laughs> but it was it got pretty vulgar the second verse. Um, <laughs> Maybe over. <laughs> it was I forget the the lyric was, but it was uh, you know, it progressed from him like you know picking up a girl in his jeep and his dog, and then uh, I forget it was like find a spot we can park it in the woods. Damn right, hell yeah, give it to her good. That was the. That was a lyric of the second second verse. Yeah, maybe, you know, not quite. But Jake loved it. Yeah, not quite raid PG, but maybe maybe a little R, you know? Yeah, definitely not radio, radio yeah. stuff. But. Right. But yeah, I, I pretty much I just write by myself here. Um, I used to write all the time um, with a guy. Dusty Blythe was his name. And really good friend, still a great friend. And... Right when I moved back to Ohio, I'm like, man, it's going to be great. Me and him will start writing again and fire that up. He moves to uh, to Columbus, which is like an hour and a half away, which isn't that far. Right. But, you know, just enough distance where you can't, yeah. you know, make a spontaneous, you know, one hour trip out of it. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah. get a, get something done. You got to schedule it if you're going to do something like that. Right. And, you know, he has two kids, too, and yep. is married and has a you know, great job. So it's kind of tough now for us to really to, you know, plan it out. Yeah. But I do get to Columbus quite often though. I mean, we do, we track some of the stuff in Nashville now. I mean, for, well, for the recent project for towns like us, how we did it was I went to Nashville and found these guys that I, uh, I wanted to play on it that played on the running with the night and I'm on it album. Okay. And so I went and we tracked guitar drums and bass in nashville okay just because I, w- I really wanted those three guys to play on and then we came back to columbus and we did keys and then did fiddle um in columbus as well as all the vocals okay so and then i had my guys sing on the uh sing harmonies and all that stuff just so that when we play it live it sounds like you know this, it's yeah. yeah yeah and there's, I think there's something to be said for that too. Like sometimes when you listen to a product that's on a record or, you know, even on a single that you release by itself, the studio version doesn't sound a ton like it does in person. Right. Right. And right. Sometimes d- depending how you're doing it, like if you're doing it, you know, full production to acoustic, that's on purpose, but sometimes yeah, it can kind of take away from the live experience or the other way around. So, right. And I think um, and times- 90% of the guys now run, run tracks in their show. Yeah. Which really helps make it sound like the record. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think I there's mean, some artists where just their live performance is just so different than their uh, their you know studio work. Like a guy that comes to mind for me is Drake White. Just the yeah. way voices. Just you. You can't when you record it. It just it's the one of the things that makes it great is that it's different every time. You know that it's yeah. just soulful and so like that that it's funny when i play album work from drake white to people they're like okay pretty good and then i'm like go see him live and they see him live and they're like holy crap that's my new favorite guy yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he definitely blew me away the first time i saw him play He's it was just, uh pretty pretty unbelievable 
and everybody Russell has Dickerson's kind of like that too. Yeah, Russell's his live show again. It, I completely agree. It's very different than, and it's even different than a lot of stuff that's out there. You yeah. know, what I mean? it has. Oh yeah. Wow. So Sam I Hunt is another show that, um, is really different. I, I mean, I just that, and I know he gets a lot of flack in the industry for, you know, merging lines and things like that. Yeah. I'll tell you what, his original EP that came out uh, between the lines before it was freaking free on his website. He was opening yeah. up Ace Rice with just him and a freaking backing track. Yeah. And that that acoustic EP that he put out and some of the songs that are on that are some of my favorite songs from that time, that time period. Just his his voice and just what he's doing. And I mean, in my head, if you're if you're merging rock and you're merging country or you're merging soul and you're merging country or you're merging blues and you're merging country. I think it's all still country in, in my head. And right. I, I know sometimes that in certain parts of the, the country music community doesn't get as maybe as much respect or they just don't like it. And I think that's fine. But for me, I think it's just stretching the lines, man. You know, it's yeah. I've it, always, it, there's 10 other things out there to listen to that you might like, you know? Yeah. I, I agree completely. Um, I, that's what the industry is always going to be, you know, like that. I mean, if I was talking to some people like, you know, Todd Bolton, who's on the outside as far as like the booking, the shows, and that's like his main thing, never been a part of production or anything like that. Um, he was like, man, I remember when, when Alabama came out, people were like, this isn't country. This is, this is pop music. This is not, yeah. and, um, and now they're like, they're country, you know? Yeah, that's like when you think of country from that time period. That's <laughs> Alabama. Yeah, and that's – I think Garth Brooks said something similar to that too where he's well, – he was worried about releasing songs that are some of his most popular songs because right. people were like, that's not a country song. You know? I've never understood the people that get so pissed and, you know, take such a stance on like, God, this is terrable. I'm like, man, because I'm, I'm kind of like you. I really like all types of music. Yeah, especially in the country world too. Yeah. I mean, I pretty much feel like there's a time and place for you know each type of music I want to listen to. Yeah, but I'm like, who gives a shit? I mean, if people like it, you know, if you don't, change the station. It's really simple. That's it. <laughs> well, and I, I'm completely agreeing. And I love, I mean, listen, I love Party, which is like kind of like almost like a new version on the throwback, right? Like he's one of yeah. my artists. He's badass. All right, so awesome. And Terry yeah. Lee, guitar, love those guys. Oh, Terry. Yeah, <laughs> Terry, and uh, and but I love like stuff that's on the other edge of it too, you know. And and right, some of the things I like is the edge of folk in country, and it's the edge of maybe Americana or like the Cadillac Three, like the edge of rock. I think there's a space for all of that, and kind of one of the things that we try to do with Rage Rowdy is we kind of try to talk about the stuff that's on the edge and that might not be getting radio right. play, you know. And some right. of it does get radio play, but we kind of try to talk about some of the stuff that might not get as much and uh, just try to feed that to people that are hungry for it. And there's people that are only hungry for traditional South Country, and we're going to try to feed that too, you know. So we're trying right. to kind of promote the best of what we can find and the best of what we like and the people that we think are a little bit underappreciated. That's that's what we do. Well, least, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's great to have that platform where you guys can do that. And it, it's fun watching you grow, too, because, you know, one too long ago, you guys were just starting. And now, 
I feel like so many people are catching on and are starting to recognize the name and the brand. Yeah, it's been overwhelming for sure. It's been yeah. it's been great and you know overwhelming. It's it's really cool to see a community that we just love so much embrace what we're doing and what we're trying to help with. You know, right, so, right. And I mean, who knows how big it will ever get? But just having a platform to help guys that we love and artists like you that we've seen grow and want to see grow more, right? Because we love the music you put out there. Thank you. No problem. And having having a chance to get to talk and to interact and to help help push your music, your great music that we're going to talk a little bit more about here <laughs> and to, uh, to more people, you know, it's just yeah. awesome to get a, a kind of a platform and a community built around it of so many like exactly. people that are just really embracing and want to be a part of what we're doing and just embracing new music, you know, because again, yeah. like you heard, you hear the songs that are on the radio and I mean, they're, they're great songs. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but you hear those same, you know, 50, a hundred songs a lot. So, right. Um, yeah, it, it's so crazy. I mean, it's weird to me that all the playlists now are like curated by basically, you know, three people. Yeah. And they send them out and you're like, here you go. I mean, the days of like being a program director, I feel like are almost over as far as playing, you know, what you want and how much you want to play it. It's yeah. weird. I mean, those guys, the original radio DJs were guys that brought their freaking vinyl in. And they played you their collection, you know? Yeah. You had to go on a damn radio tour for, you know, a year. Yeah. To win these, you know, program directors over so that you could play their stuff when it gets sent to them with, you know, a handwritten letter. Yeah. It's crazy now. But I think the world's changing. So, I mean, the radio is a humongous, humongous beast. Uh, you know, it's and it's there, and it's it's. I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. But right, streaming is streaming. You can find music that is. I feel like Spotify is going to be the new thing, man. Yeah, I, Spotify I or iTunes. I mean, not that it isn't already the right. thing, but it's yeah. it's about how many playlists you're on and whose playlists you're on. And, yep. And who you know, how many people are are listening to your track? And again, same way as radio, who doesn't turn it off? You know, who listens right. to the whole thing? And who, when they listen to it, want to listen to more of your music? You know, I think there's there's crazy good analytics behind that on with internet based companies, and I think that's where you know the future lies. I mean, maybe not five years, maybe not in ten years even, but I think eventually it's going to get there where that's kind of the new radio. Eventually, is streaming. Right. I agree. It's it. I mean, terrestrial radio. It, it's so hard because um, I mean I remember. You know, five years ago, people were like, oh, radio is going to die. There's going to be no more radio. But I think you're right. I think it's just always going to be there and have a huge impact. I mean, that's that's what artists still tour off of. I mean, yeah. that's what makes you a big, big dog is you got to be on, you know, the the top country charts of their play. Yeah. And I think I think in a sense, it'll always be there. I just think it's going to change. Right. So right. instead of it being the terrestrial radio and the big dogs that own all that, it'll be people that have playlists that have 2 million subscribers. You know what I mean? And it might be right. the same players, you know, or it might be people that are, those companies are working with Spotify to make sure that those songs are on those playlists, the big playlists, you know, the ones that everyone subscribes. Right. But yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. I just think, and, and I'm sure those are smart business people. They'll figure it out. You know? Right. Right. 
So what what are you? Are you Apple Music or Spotify guy? What's, what's I'm an Android phone guy. So I have – we're talking right now on an Apple computer, but I'm on an Android phone. So I'm a Spotify guy. Uh, for, okay. And then that's where all my playlists are and as well as like most of Rage Rowdy's playlists are. And, right. And um, we are – we're dabbling in iTunes as well because we have other guys that are working with us that are, that are Apple guys. So, and I think eventually you'll have one or two services that are the big services, kind of like you have in the radio industry, right? Yeah. Yeah. Big names. And then of course you'll have other ones that are smaller. Right. Yeah. I think, I think it's a, it's an interesting time and it's crazy having access to so much music. Right. And you've got to search it out. And not everybody wants to do that. And that's kind of one of the things no. that we, as Ray's Rowdy and as, you know, our crew of friends that we've gotten together to do this project have kind of done. And we get feedback all the time. We're like, man, I love that guy you told me about. Or I love that girl you told me about. That's one of my new favorite artists now. And it really makes you feel good when you start having people give you feedback like that. Like, oh, man, I'm yeah, talking I, about that. You probably, have a, you probably have a lot of artists reaching out to you as well now yeah we get we get artists reaching out to us and i mean management companies as well and yeah like the the guys that reach out to us are like the smaller guys right maybe some, some yeah. don't have labels and aren't getting the press um and a lot of them we reach out to too you know or we interact with on social media that's i think that's kind of one of the ways that we've gotten in with the majority of the people we've gotten in with is just them actually seeing that we're not just a machine you know <laughs> like Right, right. We're watching their stories on Instagram, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Because we're fans first, you know? Like, that's who we are. Yeah, we're definitely Facebook friends, too. Yeah, yeah. We're we're the guys that are at the show early trying to be in the front. Yeah. You know, we're the the guys that are at the show four hours early trying to tailgate so that we can go in two hours early, you know? (laughs) Right, right. That's that's kind of who we have, like, developed from and then the guys that we've brought on to help us are all those people too, you know, they're all people that we see those same qualities in that are you know just good people. And they're just trying to do it for the right reason. That always helps too. I mean, it's surrounded by great people is, you know, almost essential these days. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's crazy too, because the same way you can find great music on the internet, you can find great people on the internet, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. People with similar mindsets, people with, the same kind of passions that you have people that reach out to you and have different skill sets than I have, because I'm not good at everything. I'm not good at most things, you know, <laughs> but we can find people that are, you know, so it's pretty neat. Yeah. It's great to, uh, I mean, every business is different, but at the same time, the same. Um, like I know how my brain works and there's just some things I'm not good at, like design. I am terrible. And I, you know, I'm working like with an artist right now to design a new logo. And he's like, what do you want? I'm like, I don't know. I just, I can't even see that, that side of it. But when it comes to like a live show and stuff like that, you know, I feel like that's what I need to put my focus on. That's why you have other people to help you out and trust. That's that exactly it. They know, they know what you want, even though you don't. Well, and that's it. And it's, it's about building that team, right? It's about putting, putting yourself where you know you're the best and putting other people that you know or at their best in other situations and then building from there. Right. Yeah, I definitely agree. So, well, let's get back to some of your music. Um, so we, we talked through your, uh, 
your older stuff. Let's talk about some of the singles you released, like Track Nine and Three Wishes. Yeah, yeah, Track Nine. Track Nine is still one of my favorite songs. I was to gonna play. say that's probably one of my absolute favorite songs of yours. Like first time I heard that, I was like, "Damn, this is this is a great song." <laughs> so, yeah, I love I love that song. Um, I still do. It was a. Uh, this was actually right when I um, got with Olay when all my contracts and stuff transferred to them. Um, they started out like working right away with us, and they're like, "Hey, we got this idea." to basically release your song, to release a song with you as a label. And, you know, we have these two writers of ours that wrote this song. We want you to hear it. And, you know, sent me kind of a list of songs and track nine kind of stood out to me right away. And it was written by Jason Massey and Chris Bandy. And um, I was like, all right. And Jason Massey is a co-producer of Kelsey Balrady. Um. So we went in, and it was pretty crazy. We just went in the basement of Olay's uh, publishing house, and I cut a vocal right there in about 15 minutes, and he was like, yeah, let me do some work with this. I'm going to send it to you. And he, what he sent to me is what you hear on That's iTunes. Crazy. So I'm like, oh, my God. I'm, yeah. So everyone was on board, and we uh, released it through them, did the video, and um, what was crazy is it played on – XM radio for like one or two weeks. And then um, I think it was right when John Marks left XM and went to Spotify. I think it was right in that time. So we, I think they lost like the, the champion that they were using over there, um, which thank God for John Marks at Spotify. Cause I mean, he's shown us tons of love right now um, on the new song, but yeah, track nine, just awesome tune. And then uh, three wishes. Um, talk about who wrote that and you know connections and stuff like that. Yeah, so my buddy uh, Josh Melton. Yeah. I met Josh. I I lived in Hendersonville, Tennessee, just north of Nashville, and I met Josh at a bar. He goes, "Hey, you don't know me. My name's Josh. I'm from Ohio too." I said, "Sweet Josh, nice to meet you. You want to come up tomorrow? We're having a little cookout at my house." And he showed up. And uh, he grabbed a guitar and just started playing. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's phenomenal. And then he played, um, I was like, play me some of your stuff. And he played uh, Three Wishes. And I'm like, man, I listened to it for a while. Then I go, do you have a demo of that? And he sent it to me. And I don't know, something about it just felt really summery. And I I liked it from the get-go. And I took it to my producer at the time, Luke Wooten. Luke produces um, Brad Paisley. And did Steel Drivers, Dirks Bentley, um, crazy talented guy that we still work with. But um, and he he dug it too. We went in and we cut like five or six songs that day, and um, we cut the vocal to it. And we're just like, man, this just feels good, feel good tune. And we put it out for the summer. Did another video for it, and uh, still, a, well, you know, one of the favorite fan favorites in the show. And then we'll talk about the Friday Nighters EP. What was 2017, right? Last year. Yes, that was last year. Yeah, I was, that was kind of a different phase um, in my career. I, I think was that whole Three Wishes to Friday Nighters um, EP was through a production deal I had with with Luke and another guy that was called Warehouse West Productions, and 
you know, we kind of we went with it with a different attitude of we're gonna pick the best songs that we we can that we think fit me, and I'm gonna go just sing and record them. I didn't write any of them, and it was a really really weird fear, feeling going in the studio, and I I felt like there was some kind of confidence that was lacking in me because it's the first time I'm gonna like really record a song that I you know didn't have much of a hand in or a project in, and. Uh, so going in there, you, you you hear all these different voices is all you hear, you know, on the demos and the work tapes. So it was different for me. But I think when we got done, I was like, man, I, I really, really, really like this. And thought we did, you know, made a good decision there doing it that way. Um, but I, I don't think it really took off like we expected it to. The the Friday, Friday Nighters EP, really. Yeah, especially with all the success you had on you know, some of the other songs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we, we kind of went back to the drawing board after that and, you know, w- you know, kind of twisting your thumbs like, well, you know, why? Yeah. And um, I'm like, man, you know, maybe it's just like there was a, dis- a disconnect where it wasn't people knew it wasn't me writing the songs or, you know, whatnot. And so we talked about it a while and there, you know, at, Anytime you bring up stuff that people work really hard on and spend a lot of yeah. money doing, it's always you know a touchy right. subject, and you know, there could be a million reasons it went wrong. So I, I kind of threw out the idea. I was like, why? Well, I, I want to go back to writing my stuff, and let's try this song that I really, really, really like and believe in because I said wrote it on my back porch yeah. by myself, and. Yeah. It's, I mean, if you came to my hometown, you would know right away that, oh my God, well, there's a BP wrote this about, there's yeah. the corner bar, uh, which is yeah. called the corner bar. Um, and, you know, our home team is the black and white. That's what, you know, team. So I was like, man, I, I want to put this out. And I, I like the way I sounded on it. And I worked really hard in that off time on my vocals yeah. a lot. And we got to the studio and like I already knew, noticed a huge difference, which is always great. Um, so then I got to do, uh, you know, basically co-produce it with my friend uh, Drew Bullock. And then after that, Drew took it and just turned it into what I thought was, this is my favorite song I've done ever. Yeah, it sounds like us for me when I listened to it, like the first time I was like, man, this is Clark, like 100%. And yeah. like you're talking about, your town and you know that that this is your town you can you can tell in that music you know what i mean you can tell in that song yeah that this is the realness of where i grew up and i think your music video i think you guys did a great job with that as well because absolutely thank it, you I, I just think it really fits who i in my head thought you were <laughs> and who the people yeah. in your area are right like i Everything from right. the cutting down trees to burning in the fire, you know, the bond to, yeah. to the freaking your dog sitting right there, the lab sitting right next to you, just the best dog ever. Yeah. You know, like just little things like that pop out to me that are things that when you're growing up in the country that you see is just everyday life, right? But you're from a different part of yeah. the, the world, that might not be how you grew up, you know? So, no, uh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. We, we did like a huge change to uh, like all the track nine, three wishes videos were one day and you basically, I had no hand and say of what really yeah. we got. Um, it was like, you know, do this for, for eight hours. 
and we'll send you your video um yeah you know in two weeks and or even even i got i have a different manager now than i did then too um which actually is the guy that i started with and so when i kind of were t- was talking to him about you know towns like us and the idea of the song and um he goes dude i i want to shoot the video and i said all right well come on up and we we shot the video for six days straight and we absolutely just had a blast every day and that's what we did um nothing was really planned um we just did what we were going to do that week and weston followed us around and shot the video to it i think it's great and Um, i think you can kind of see that like you just see that it's natural right like in the video and yeah. when we post this on if you're on itunes search on youtube for clark's video for towns like us but um on our website we'll have the video i'll post it underneath when we post the podcast so that you know if people once they see that they can kind of reference back to that um but yeah it's i think when when everybody when they see it they're gonna say oh man yeah that that's either where i grew up or that makes sense you know <laughs> Right. And I wanted people too to see, um, you know, I feel like a lot of things have changed in my life since when I started and a lot of different things are more important to me now um, and less important to me. So, you know, this was kind of a video for me to show where I was in my life. You know, my wife's in there. And at the time, I don't think anyone knew it, but she, when we were filming, she was pregnant. Um, And then, my niece and nephew, my sister, brother-in-law, and then, you know, a couple of my best friends too. First so, video. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, it, like I said, I think that's one of the things that I've enjoyed watching you, you know, progress as an artist and, and do is go from those drinking songs and those fun party songs, which are great. And I still, you know, love those too, but yeah. going and developing into this. And I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you're going to have some songs about, little boy soon you know i i know i know um i've already started like you know i I don't force myself really to write anymore just because of doing it so often when i did i feel like i just started writing shitty songs honestly that didn't mean much so I kind of do it when I feel it, and I forget it was. I think it was like Stephen King or somebody said that he never wrote anything down because the good ideas stuck with him and the bad ideas yeah. didn't. Um, so I kind of like adopted that too. I, I'll think of something and just be like, ah. But if it comes to me again and I think about it again, I maybe yeah. I should explore this. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I'm sure there'll be a little boy song in there somewhere. But I do need I I. I am craving yeah, another drinking I mean, listen, song. Honestly. There's nothing wrong with a good drinking song. That's, that's the, that is the basis of country music in my head. A good heartbreak song and a good drinking song. And I don't know how many more heartbreak songs you're going to have. You know, uh, you know, I know. And the, the funny thing is, the heartbreak yeah. songs I think are in right now. I mean, if you go through the playlist, there's a lot of heartbreak yeah. heartbreak songs. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I'm over <laughs> I think that. You're good. <laughs> I don't think she's going to get ready anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> I hope not. Let's talk. Uh, let's do a little bit. Uh, we do uh, one of our other buddies that does interviews for us. Aaron does uh, a little bit of word association a lot of times to end some some interviews. So you cool yeah. with doing that? To uh, I'll throw out some words and you just tell me either what you think of or a story from there. Cool. So yeah, let's start with uh, Norris Lake. 
Yeah, Norris Lake, man. I grew up grew up basically on Norris Lake. Every summer we would go there. Um, I uh, one of my first jobs was pumping gas in the docks. For people that don't know, it's down in Tennessee. Yeah, it's in East Tennessee, just north of Knoxville. Um, and it's one of the most beautiful lakes you ever go to. If you get a chance, definitely go and stop by Shanghai Marina. That's where I used to, you know, pump gas. It was it was the best job in the world too because people would just tip you to pump their gas and you know as being 16 17 years old you couldn't have a better job yeah, pretty water. girls around okay. it was awesome yeah <laughs> all yeah, right let's water. talk country concert first thing that comes to your mind oh first thing that comes to mind drinking yeah drinking little drinking yeah drinking party uh, it man, is yeah, just I agree par- with that. party it's a uh, it's one of the my absolute favorite weekends of the year and Country concert has never paid us money or given us free tickets, but <laughs> we come every. <everywhere. laughs> so, um, let's talk about the Ohio State University. Oh, O H I O. Let's go. Um, that's it. Just badass football. Yep, that's it. Champions, yeah, national champions, see probably this year. So Cole Swindell. What's oh Cole Swindell? Man, I got I have so many Cole Swindell stories. It's hard to even think about. Uh, there's one though that me and uh, me and my wife Kelsey, how we I don't think we were married at the time, but we went out with him and his girlfriend that he was that he had. I don't think they're together anymore though. Um, they broke up in the end. No pun intended. But um, but anyway, we went out and got so drunk. I don't, I don't even know what we were drinking. We were drinking like cheap tequila. I think, and me and Cole were talking, and they get. We're actually we went downtown, and we we're like at um, Tootsie's, I think, and they <laughs> roped off the area for Cole, and we were all sitting there. And next thing you know, um, his girlfriend's crying. I'm like, "What the hell?" And he's like, "Kelsey, <laughs> what did you say to her?" And uh, she was just saying like, "Oh, I think she was telling like, I think yeah, we're." We're gonna be getting engaged soon, and then she started crying. I don't think Cole's ever gonna get ask me to marry him. All this stuff, and I'm like, oh man, thanks, Kelsey. Last time we're gonna hang out with him. That's funny, but no, Cole. Cole's the the greatest dude you'll find in country music. Just awesome. awesome How about dude. family? Family. I have a huge family. They're uh, they're all awesome, awesome people. Um, what's cool about my like immediate family? is my parents live about two miles from my house. Uh, well, they all do. My sister and brother, they all do. We all live in like a two-mile radius, so um, we're all really close. And then Kelsey's parents and her brother also live within like a two- to three-mile radius. So That's great. We see each other. I mean, that's going to be really great once once the sun comes. Oh, I know. Yeah. Because <laughs> that means more golfing time for me. That's it. I got more people that want to be. Last thing I have is Bigfoot. That was uh, Ryan recommended uh, me to ask you about right. Bigfoot. Yeah, Jake. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jake? Is it Jake? Yeah. Oh, man. So we were on the Track 9 radio tour okay. that we were doing for secondary radio. And uh, his grandpa, Jake. Uh, Jake's grandpa lives out in the Ozark Mountains, so we were coming through Missouri, and you know we had a we had a plot. We're going to stop at Jake's grandpa's house. I don't know if you ever been to Ozark Mountains or not, but I mean, you're in the middle of nowhere, and it, it's pretty crazy. 
and we get to Jake's grand, grandpa's house, and we turn off a dirt road, and we don't see anybody. Another house for, I mean, it's like five or six miles. It was like very eerie feeling. And so we get to his house, and um, it's just his grandpa lives there, like these two badass dogs. And um, it started to rain a little bit, and I went down to this basement. His grandpa's house is gorgeous, but, I mean, they don't have neighbors for 10 miles. And um, so I call Kelsey uh, from the patio of this basement, and um, we're talking, and all of a sudden this stick comes out of nowhere, like almost hits me and lands. I'm like, what the hell was that? And uh, I told him, like, man, some just threw a stick at me. And uh, so I let it go. And like 30 seconds later, another stick comes flying out of the woods at me. So I'm thinking like Jake or somebody or my bass player, Nick, who came with us, is like, you know, messing with me. Um, so I like go in there. I'm like, hey. And they're both in. I'm like, you got to come out here. So like Jake kind of came out. And I go, dude, something's in this woods. And it, you know, just threw something at me. Jake goes, well, I'm going to get these dogs. They're going to, they're, they're not scared of anything. They get these dogs out here and these dogs are like going crazy. And then out of the woods, this thing, whatever it was, just went like, like this big growl. And wow. these dogs hightailed it back in the house along with, along with me and Jake. And we turned every light in the house on. And I don't think any of us slept at night because we were so damn scared. I, I don't know what it was, but yeah. I'm 90% yeah, sure. <laughs> I tell everybody I had a Bigfoot encounter. I'm about to go <laughs> on the crazy. town hall meetings if they're ever out there. Oh, yeah. Bigfoot. Finding Bigfoot. You ever watch that? That's like no. the best show ever because, I mean, yeah. they're never going to find them. Limited seasons. Yeah. Great idea. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 30 years from yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them that story. I'll be on there. <laughs> Well, I, I wanted right to thank here. you uh, for, yep. for being on. Um, and I want to give you some time to talk about how yeah. people can keep up with you on social media. Yeah, we're uh, you can find us on Instagram at Clark Manson, as well as Twitter at Clark Manson. Facebook is at Clark Manson Official. And uh, you go to ClarkManson.com, which yeah. our new website's pretty sweet. I don't know if you've been to it or not, but um, yeah. we've got like all the videos basically up there. And links links to everything as long as like some of the tour dates too. Um, yeah, and you so know, yeah, make sure you uh, check out the video for towns like us. Like I said, I think it's one of the most relatable videos for for people and you know growing up like we grew up right. and uh, being around, we grew up around. And uh, exactly, I just wanted to thank you so much for for being on here with right. us and you know just giving us the time to help you know put few more people behind you and moving you moving you in the, the direction i think you deserve to go in brother well thank you very much thanks for having me you guys are you know killing it right now and just foresee you guys taking off and yeah being out of it. here really soon i can't wait yeah absolutely yeah then we'll have to do this <laughs> do again. a live one get some beers involved yeah um definitely beers involved yeah <laughs> we'll get out some of the old stories then yeah <laughs> But I'm making bad decisions.
spend a buck to save a dime Good man's word and God we trust Yeah, that's the town's life